It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.06 on a Saturday morning, 73 degrees outside. This is the last hour of Lawn and Garden. If you have a question, you better get it in quick. 404-872-0750. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in whatever you do with a little bit of concern about what might happen with the eclipse. You know, the eclipse is coming uh, August 21st, a few weeks from now. A lot of people in North Georgia are excited about that. My neighbors across the street are excited. they got cabins in North Georgia. They're going up to see the eclipse. Except what about if you have chickens? What is going to be the effect of the eclipse on chickens? And my friend Stephen Stinchcomb from Turnip Seed Farms down in Fayette County called me yesterday to say he thinks it might be bad things if you have a chicken coop in the backyard. What will the chickens do? He said, now, it's going to get dark, so it's going to turn, turn their whole egg-laying process around. They might lay too many eggs. It might re, re-energize their egg production part of their body and might cause them to be exhausted and tired. It might affect your egg production for months. The roosters... He said, now roosters, they're going to be tired too. They're going to get up and crow, and then they go to sleep when the, when the sun's covered and it's dark, and then they go wake up again. They think it's morning. They crow again. Why exhaust your roosters? What is going to happen? Stephen says that he believes the best thing to do is take all of your chickens and put them in a big black box. And so they're sort of know they have one, one uh, nighttime and then one daytime. Don't let them have two. Stephen is a somewhat somewhat poultry expert in Fayette County, Georgia. On the other hand, his pronouncements are sometimes suspect because he's the man who believes that he is breeding poison ivy for uh, ornamental purposes. He said, you know, they are real pretty in the in the wintertime, the fall, I guess. The, the color of the leaves is orange and yellow, and it's real pretty out there. I'm going to do one called Itchy Witchy and Scratchy Watchy, I think I'm going to have another one out there, real pretty orange leaves on my poison ivy. He said, we're going to have one another one for uh, bird's favorite because how much the birds like the seeds of the poison ivy. So some of Stephen's advice might be best taken with a grain of salt. But if you have chickens and the eclipse, check that out. See what you think the effect of the eclipse is going to be on your chickens. We'll see. It's 809 and Warren in McDonough, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Warren. Morning. Good morning, Walter. How you doing? I'm doing great. What's going on with your dogwood, Warren? Well, it might have been a little timing issue on my part, but I was out yesterday. I noticed I had a bunch of those little uh, little limbs that grow low on the tree, so I decided to trim them. I also found that one of the limbs out of the four or five that grows that was dead, and so I, I sawed it off, too. When I got to looking at it, I noticed that uh, it had a bunch of little holes, and it. it looked like somebody had gone down through there and poked it with a nail about every, uh, I guess, half, three-quarters of an inch, all the way around it, all the way down the limb. Wow. I, I was wondering if you uh, had any advice on whether the tree will probably make it, or is that limb, what caused that limb to die? That's a good question. It's, it's a lower limb, though, right? It's uh, one, Well, one of the ones that comes off the main trunk, it comes up, and then uh, it's got about four or five that come off the main trunk, and then they have some different limbs, and that whole one limb was uh, dead. So now when I cut it off, it looks kind of lopsided. <laughs> mm. 
I have seen enough, I've seen and observed enough dogwoods in my lifetime to say, you know, Warren, that's just what they do sometimes. They lose a limb here, they lose a limb there, and trying to determine specifically what caused that limb to die might occupy somebody for a long period, but it's not the time that I'm going to spend. I don't know. I don't know why it died. The little holes that are in it are very likely just the, what are called native ambrosia beetles, the things that go into dead wood and eat it and make little sawdust piles underneath the limb. But I'm betting that they were not the thing that killed the limb. The things that kill dogwood limbs most most commonly are just the dumb things that happen to them, like somebody bangs into it with a lawnmower or a weed trimmer, or a kid bangs on it with a stick and causes a bruise or a canker on the trunk, or one side of the tree gets drier because it doesn't get any irrigation and something like that happens, so the roots dry up and one limb on that side then decides it doesn't, doesn't like it and it dies, or gets shaded on that side so the limb doesn't get sunshine and it dies. I can give you a lot of ways that a limb can die, but which one caused your limb to die, Warren? I'm at a loss. I don't know. So the mystery continues. Yeah, the mystery continues. Sometimes you just have to accept life is full of mysteries, and the ones you pursue, you can pursue the ones you don't pursue. Let them just be. Okay, I accept it, and I also accept that I have a lopsided dogwood tree. You're a wise man, Warren. Wiser, wiser, wiser than your years. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Walter. All right, man. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. We've got Brad on the line from Tallapoosa. Hey, Brad, morning. Hey, Walter. Hey. I've got um, some wooded area, and I've got a lot of wild blueberry plants Awesome. Growing. Yeah. And uh, my question is, if I dig them up this winter and transplant them out into the open in the sunshine, will they grow and produce? I, I, don't make, I know they're not going to be the giant blueberry right. bushes, but would they grow you know, up to their normal height and produce? I don't see why not. If they're the wild, and there are a number of vaccinium species that we call, just generically, we call them wild blueberries. And so the rabbit eye blueberries is one kind of blueberry that's been bred to have big fruit on it, obviously. And the ones you see in the woods are the different species of vaccinium that have smaller fruit, very likely. But if you want to move them into more sunshine, they'll probably make more fruit there than they will in the woods. Well, definitely. Yeah, they, they produce very small berries yeah. uh, right now. Uh, okay, well, I might give that a shot. Then. Do it. There's no reason not to. I mentioned in a conversation earlier this morning that one of the things that blueberries really dearly want is soil that is acid. And so you can acidify the soil a little bit by adding peat moss to the planting area before you put your blueberries in. And I suggested to the guy this morning, doing a soil test. If you don't have to move them tomorrow, then go ahead and dig the beds where you're going to move them to. Have the soil take it into the local extension office and say how much what pH do I have and how much sulfur or how much what I need to do to make it nice and acid and happy for the blueberries. So you can still do that before you plant them. Okay. Well, it's the, it's the Budapest area out here where they used to grow muscadine vines uh-huh. uh, way back in the late 1800s and early 1900s before Georgia Prohibition. <laughs> okay. and, uh, and I, hear, I, I, I know the connection there. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there's just tons of muscadine vines around mm-hmm. here still left over from that era. So I don't know uh, if the soil, well... I don't think there's much connection between... The wood, so. Yeah, not much connection between the two, other than they're both sort of native native plants, and they both grow well in Georgia, but muscadines and blueberries aren't really much kin to each other. Okay, well, I mean the soil. Uh, oh, I see, yeah. yeah. All right, well, thank you very much. All right, Brad, good luck with it, man. All right, appreciate it. You bet. We'll see you. Bye.
14 minutes past the hour. Walter, 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 my friend in Jasper, Georgia, joins us. Hey, Walter, good morning. Good morning. Uh, you know you got a good show when I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. <laughs> or maybe you're just insomniac and don't have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got a great show. Thank you, Walter. Uh, I, I've got a couple of uh, uh, quick questions. Um, I've got the, the, those tiny little white flies on my gardenias, and I'm going to yeah. treat them with a systemic uh, treatment. Um, but I was one, I you know, they get on the, my tomato plants, too, and I'm not too sure if I should treat them systemically because it might hurt the fruit. That You're a smart man to think about that, and you're exactly right. You can't use the systemics on tomatoes. They, To be very truthful, yes, they do use them um, in commercial fields. The same chemical that's in the systemic you use on a gardenia is used in commercial fields to control white flies and uses a dip when the little seedlings are being grown to keep white flies off of them in a greenhouse. But for homeowners, I generally say don't use don't use things that are not labeled for your specific uh, uh, situation. The one the the thing that works the best it seems to me is the ortho um, what is the full name of the ortho vegetable insect killer or something like that. It has a chemical called acetamiprid, and acetamiprid works great on white flies, and uh, you can use it on tomatoes. So acetamiprid and the product is ortho vegetable killer i think okay super now i had one one more quickie um i I hear people talking about erosion control and things like that and i've heard you recommend liriope yeah um i'm a big fan of dwarf mundo because it's not so darn invasive yeah okay um and i was just kind of wondering why you never uh, recommend that there's in my mind there are three different kinds of mondo grass which is not even the same species is monkey grass, lirio. So they're, okay. they look alike, but they're not the same. And so in, amongst the mondo grasses, there's the dwarf dwarf, which is a little bitty thing about an inch tall. There's a medium size. It's about three or four inches tall. And then there's sort of the wild mondo grass. It gets about six <laughs> or eight inches tall. The right. one that I have used myself for erosion control is the wild crazy stuff because it seems to be just the hardiest and toughest and sticks to the soil and holds the water back very easily, whereas the dwarf dwarf mondo grass, well, that stuff is so slow to grow, you can wash it out with any downpour, so I don't use the dwarf mondo grass. I use the largest size I can find as erosion control. But okay. monkey I'm, grass I'm will do familiar the same. with the medium size. Yeah, medium, medium or, or tall, I think, would do fine. Okay. And as far well, as the good. monkey grass goes for lirio, you have two kinds there. Remember, there's a clumping kind and there's a spreading kind. The spreading kind is the world's worst enemy, and the uh, clumping kind is not so bad. So you can yeah, choose. Yeah, I, cl- I bought my house. I I took out uh, trash bag after trash bag full of that stuff. Yeah. All right. Make your decision, okay. but uh, one yeah. of the one of the five of those examples should work in some situations for erosion control. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. All right, Walter, great talking to you. Bye-bye. It's 817. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Funky music all morning, you bet. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Tomorrow, 
Well, today I should say, high in the high 80s today, somewhere around 86, 87. Overnight lows in the 60s, 66 or 67. Tomorrow about the same. Not much chance of rain for the couple of days we have in front of us. Here your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And don't forget that tomorrow is Sunday. You can pick up your Atlanta Journal-Constitution for in-depth news coverage, plus clip and save hundreds in coupons. That's tomorrow's Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. We've got Gene and McDonough who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gene. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. I look forward to Saturdays to hear your show. And I look I forward really to Saturdays to, to be here, too, Jean. How can I help? Uh, I bought a snowball bush at Callaway Gardens yeah. last fall and planted it. And, it oh, this spring, the new growth was phenomenal. It's just beautiful. Yeah. And all of a sudden, in the last month, the leaves started curling and drooping, and now the whole plant is Dead. Oh, is it too much sun? I know it had enough water. No, they like sun. Snowball bush likes being in the sunshine. Well, what in the world? I I put melorganite and yeah. I put hollytone. Uh, so far, so good. You haven't told yeah, me. Yeah, and uh, I watered it when in the spring when we didn't have enough water, but. We've had enough water yeah, sure. this summer. Of rain. Is there any chance that it's, when you planted it, that it's a little bit lower than the surrounding soil and water's actually holding and standing and rotting no, the roots? No, my whole lot slopes from the street down to mm-hmm. the very back of the lot. So it doesn't pool anywhere, really. Doesn't hold water. I had a another email question. Someone sent me a picture this past week of their skip laurel, the laurel plant they'd planted in the spring, and the leaves on it were all turning brown. And I said, "Now, gosh, I would love to see the root system on your skip laurel, and please dig it up and send me a picture again." And so they did so, and I found that the root system on her skip laurel, even though she planted it in the spring, I think was never really that big to begin with. Oh, and. Hers she bought from a nursery, yours from the folks down at Callaway, but they have the nurseries that supply them, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, you know what I think you should do, Gene, is to dig your snowball up. Just go around with a shovel very loosely, maybe a spading fork, and just loosely lift the root ball out of the ground. And look and see if there's not some smoking gun for you to pin the demise of your, of your snowball, bush, snowball bush on. It's possible that the ground is soggy there, or I guess it's possible that the roots have deteriorated for some reason, but that is that is what it feels like to me. There's something going on with the roots, and the only way you'll be able to tell is by, again, loosening the soil and gently lifting it out of the ground and just looking at the roots. It won't hurt the snowball particularly. It looks like it's pretty dead right now, so it can't hurt it much more. But uh, if you want to take a look at that root ball and draw some conclusions from that, I think that's where I would go looking. That's for sure would. Say 27. And by the way, again, I want to reiterate Scott Slade's thanks for your support of the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Carathon that we did at WSB this past week. It was wonderful. It was successful. $1.75 million raised to research the cures for cancer and blood disorders at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. We could not do it without you, our listeners, and we do appreciate it from the bottom of our heart. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden and Mickey Gasway of the Pike Pick the Weekend after news. 
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 835 on a Saturday morning, 73 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape and to remind you that any facts that I may have presented in the last half hour of the show about the effects of the eclipse on chickens might not be true. Don't take everything you hear on this show as being absolutely true and anything you hear from the mouth of Stephen Stinchcomb, artist and gardener and resident of Fayette County at Turnip Seed Farms there south of Fayetteville. You can pretty well take another grain of salt with anything Stephen might say about the effect of the eclipse on his chickens and what you should do about it. It's 8.36 on a Saturday morning, which gives us a time to talk to our friend from Pike Nursery, Mickey Gazaway. Mickey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I was thinking about getting blinds for my chicken house. <laughs> you so should. Just, yeah, so Stephen said, we'll just put them in the chicken house and leave them there all day because you know they're in and out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well... Well, you can do what you want with your chickens. Yeah, I well, don't think there's going to be much effect. I'm just going to tell them the night before what's going on, and they'll understand. That's probably all that's necessary. Yeah, yeah I think just that's warm. Just a little bit of uh, knowledge beforehand will help those chickens cope with this trauma of the sun disappearing for a little while, two and a half yeah, minutes yeah, during the next day. Uh, uh, uh. All right, let's talk about this. Quit talking about <laughs> frivolous things. Let's talk about serious things, which would be what is the pike pick of the weekend? It's orchids. And that is a great choice for this time of year. A, because you Absolutely. need something to brighten up the inside of the house. And B, because they're pretty and last for a long time. They do. The blooms, like, on um, some of them last for weeks. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of my my better house plants, usually. They do, they do good. And there's so many different kinds. It's a huge group of plants. And we carry uh, uh, quite a few different ones. Have you ever seen the one they call chocolate orchid? No. Is that the one that it's smells like chocolate? Brown, it's sort of brown, it, but it smells just like chocolate. Oh, you can no, smell no. it when you walk by. Cool. That's a neat one. That's a neat one. I always, and the, the, if they're called, I don't like big words, but it's called oncidiums. Mm-hmm. And they call them fairy orchids because if you look at them real close, they look like a little fairy. They've got okay. wings and a, a face and a skirt and everything. They're really cute. So, so next time you're looking at the orchids, Look at the ones they call oncidium. Right. And if it doesn't look like a fairy or an angel, my mother used to call them angel orchids, <laughs> but they look like angels. They're cute, cute, cute. But I think that one of, one of the greatest things that recommends an orchid for a flowering plant inside of the house is simply the long-lastingness I mentioned oh, before. Yeah. You start today, and it's blooming, and the next week, next two weeks from now, and the person you give it to still is thinking about you because it's still blooming its little heart it's out. Blooming. The flowers stay for so long. Oh, yeah. It's better than cut flowers because it does last longer, and then um, it'll bloom again, yeah. and they'll think about you again. And I think one of the things, things to always keep in mind mm-hmm. with orchids is they they thrive more on less care than thriving on a lot of care. So you water That's once right. in a while. Put a, Some people put ice cubes in the top of the pot to give them yeah, a gradual water once in a while. But beyond that, yeah, there's not much more. Right. Yeah, they grow in the crotches of trees. They don't. Most of them don't grow in the ground. They're right. growing trees. Right. So you can figure they, they're not having a lot of water. 
we didn't, we didn't use the orchid bark or something like that, so they drain well. And um, there's some orchid pots. You mm-hmm. can use those with little slits in the side. That works good, too. And those little roots that stick out the top, <clears throat> those, you need to leave them on there because that's where they're getting a lot of the moisture. That's how and they, I just, yeah. about, usually about once, once a week or so, I just stick the whole thing down in water and take it out. I just stick it out there and take it out, and that works for me, and it wets those roots as well. Yeah, sure. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So all orchids on sale, all you have to do is load your cart with orchids and get an orchid pot, some orchid fertilizer, and a little bit of orchid bark in case you want that. And go to the cashier and say, hey, this is all 20% off, or the orchids anyway are 20% off here. And make sure the cashier takes it off for your ticket. And that is the Pike Pick of the Weekend, orchids at all Pike locations. You got it. Any classes coming up, Mickey? Uh, Not right now. We've got some in August. Um, Okay. I can't remember what it is. I know I'm doing one in August, but we've got we've got some coming up all through the fall. So just stay on your, um, you know what, uh, and you'll see what they are. <laughs> and I happen yeah. to know, I happen to know that there's an excellent way to find where the classes and locations <laughs> and everything you needed to know about Pike Nursery, and that would be online where. PikeNursery.com. Of course. Well, Mickey, remind everybody, orchids, 20% off all Pike locations. Tell the cashier and get 20% off of these beautiful, long-lasting, long-blooming plants, and you got a real deal. You got it. It's great talking to you, Mickey. You too. Bye-bye. See you next Saturday. It's 841 on a Saturday morning. Dennis is in Covington and joins us on Rolling Garden. Hey, Dennis. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Hey. Uh, yes, sir. I've got these prickly pears, I think they're called. Yeah. And uh, they've turned real pale green. And I was just wondering, is that natural? Shouldn't they be a dark green? I mean, all the other ones are. Yeah, they should be dark green. Now, what's going on with the prickly pear? Well, I'm not rightly sure. I was just wondering if maybe the... uh, When we first moved in, there was a little patch of them. And my wife went up there, and she cleaned them out, and they spread like crazy. And they've looked good for the past few yeah. years, and they've yeah. bloomed the yellow flowers like crazy sure, and everything. Yeah, sure. But now they've just turned real pale green, and I don't know what to do about it. I was wondering if maybe you could help me out. You know, I'm wondering, just because I'm, I'm always thinking about the environment, I'm thinking about how did the environment affect the plant that we're talking about. And I'm wondering here if the cactus has gotten maybe spread into an area that's got more clay in it and is holding water around the roots. You know, cactus does not like to have a lot of water around the roots. I'm wondering if that part is just too soggy for them right now. Uh, it could be, I guess. But even the spot where they spread from is looking like that now, and it didn't before, but it has been a wet year. Yeah. They're on top yeah, yeah, yeah. of the hill. Well, it should be drained pretty well. I mean, gosh, you got a shovel and some long pants and gloves. You go out there, Dennis, and dig a little bit up and see what the soil looks like. All right. Uh, sounds good to me. I didn't want to touch them until I learned something. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't touch them anyway <laughs> without a glove or something like that on. Oh, yes, sir. All right. All right. Well, good luck with it, Dennis. Okay. Is there any kind of uh, fertilizer or anything I could put on them? Plant food or? They seem to have done just fine for how many years? For five or ten years without oh, any Oh, yeah, plant they've food. done fine so far. I don't uh, know what's going on with it. I don't believe uh, there's okay. much. If you, if you were to throw a handful of 10-10-10 or something on once every couple of years, I think they would appreciate that. But mo- much more than that would be more than they could really take. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you kindly. Dennis, thanks for calling. Yes, sir. We'll see you soon.
404-872-0750 to get you in to take Dennis's place. We're right closing in on the last couple of hours, a couple of minutes, I should say, of the show. Michael in Riverdale joins us. Hey, Michael, morning. Hey, uh, Walter, I was I was wondering, I, I've got a yard full of Japanese maples, and I was successful digging up seedlings off the red ones and putting them in little pots and up, and they finally grew to, you know, five-gallon uh, pots yeah. and gave them away. Good. But I've got a lot of hybrid uh, maples, and I'm wondering, can I take the seeds off of them and root them or grow them? Gosh, you can do all you want to. You could have a uh, Japanese maple forest, Michael. Come on. You just, well, I, you know, the hybrid ones are sometimes are they're grafted onto the, right. the red maple right. rootstock. Well, when you take the seeds off those hybrid maples, it's all a part of the evaluation process that's been going on for a thousand years in Asia. And Japanese maples obviously came from Japan, but other parts of Asia, too, have maples that have been observed for all these years. And if they have a particular leaf form, a particular leaf color, or you know, dwarfness, or tallness, or columnar, whatever they want... And they'll take that plant and usually graft it onto another plant. But some there are some Japanese maples that come pretty close to true with seeds, and those are, I can't name one offhand, but you're right, some are grafted because that's how to get a clone every year of the same identical tree. But some seeds are simply collected and planted, and people enjoy those just sort of non-named but almost always the same color Japanese maples too. Yeah, uh, the ones, the, the hybrids I got it. At pipe, but they've never, they've never, they've dropped seeds, but they've never rooted in the grounds yeah. know, where I could dig them up. Yeah, some are not as vigorous as, as others are. Japanese maples can vary in how much germination ability they have, so I'm not surprised that you'd say that. Oh, okay. I'll, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll pick the seeds off and see if I can root them. <laughs> and you and you know, there's nothing wrong with experimentation. And maples are generally, if they're going to sprout, they will. It's not something hard to sprout, other than the ones that don't have much of the ability to sprout. And gosh, you may find one that is just beautiful white, green, purple mixed in together on the leaves, and learn how to graft it or how to get seeds that work well for it. And we'll you'll be famous one day, Michael. We'll see if we are Michael's famous maple, and we'll start it right here on the Lawn and Garden Show. At 8.46, John in Atlanta joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, John. Morning. Morning. Walter, how are you? Doing great. How can I help? Yeah, we have a very large, healthy, spreading elephant ear little forest along our driveway. Yeah. And I continually trim it back. Um, and I want to move it. Or should I just get rid of it? Oh, why do you want to get rid of it? Come on, you can give it away at the very least. I like them. Yeah, me too. But uh, I just want to move it from the driveway. Uh, so it won't continue to encroach, or at least some of them have several of yeah. the bulbs. Do you have to do it now? Could you wait until the fall? What's your Oh, schedule? no, no. I could probably, I assume I should wait uh, until, you know, the leaves are gone and yeah. it's just a tuber. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I would do if you okay. had to move a leaf because it was drooped over where the car pulls into the garage or something like that. Of course, you can take one leaf off here and there. But if you're going to move the whole tuber, sure, I think as soon as the frost has come and frozen the leaves off, then we'll be careful about cutting them away and dig the tubers up. And you can either replant them then or maybe more likely it would be to put them in a cardboard box with newspaper around them and wait until next spring and plant them again when it's warm. Okay, good. Is it, Do they 
They have, they get a lot of sunshine now. Do they need a lot of sunshine? Yeah, boy, they love sunshine right there with the driveway. Come on, they love that sunshine. Yeah, okay. And if you find little you know tubers as you just seem like I have more than I need, give them away to your friends and family. They all all could use these things are huge. Yeah, sure. One other question, my friend Eric from your Pike Landscape Design, who's helped us a lot here at home, told me that the vine that my wife and I are trying to get rid of in our trees is Illy Agnes. Yeah. What do I do with that stuff? It's not a vine. It's a springy shrub. It it has long, springy leaves on it. The best way that I've found to control it is get a a saw and saw it off as close to the ground as you possibly can, and within five minutes, spray it with Roundup. Spray it with Roundup so it doesn't re-sprout again. Don't be surprised if there are little root sprouts nearby, but that stump will be killed by the Roundup you spray on it. And just be persistent about looking for any sprouts nearby and spray them too. Great. Will do. All right. Thanks, Walter. Good talking to you, John. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. It's 848. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Pretty dry this week, next couple of days. 10% chance of rain, not much of that. And actually pretty cool and pleasant outside. High today around high 80s, 86, 87 maybe. And overnight 66 or 67. Low humidity. Very pleasant couple of days in front of us. A full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Larry comes up last in the show. Hey, Larry, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's going on, Larry? I've got four huge 30-year-old maples that the roots have risen into the lawn. Okay. And I just had a maple and an oak tree taken down. I've got fresh wood chips. Got it. question is, can I spread the wood chips around the base of that tree where I can't grow grass? Yeah. And as well put it around uh, some of the existing azalea without damaging either the tree or the azalea. It all depends on how thickly you apply it. If it was a layer two inches thick, I do not think there'd be any problem in laying those chips down. If you said, man, I want five, six, eight inches of chips I want to put out here, eh, that needs to age for just a little while, let some rainfall go through the chip pile and wash away any chemicals that might be in the chips themselves. But a little thin two-inch layer, I don't believe is going to have any effect on the on the other trees at all, or even the azaleas. Just don't let them be right up against the trunk. Pull it away two or three, six inches maybe from the trunk of each of those plants. That's what I needed to know. No, Thank you so to very it. much. It is my great pleasure for you to be happy. Thanks for calling, Larry. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Good to see you, man. Bye. There are a lot of people out in the out in the Pacific Northwest, particularly, who are doing research and done a bunch of research on using arborist wood chips as mulch on plants and trees and shrubs and using it to make garden plots where if you let the chips rot for a year, the immense improvement in soil uh, tillability and, and uh fertility and the ability of plants to grow in it has been really remarkable. So if you have the accessibility to some arborist wood chips and you want to try this, get a plot that you want to garden in in a couple of years, just cover it over. Six, eight, ten inches maybe of wood chips, let them rot for a couple of years until those end. And you might be surprised at how well your garden plot and your vegetables grow in that, in that newly chipped soil. Could be working just fine. 
If you did not get your question answered today, of course, you can go to my website, WalterReeves.com. Type a couple of words in the search line and see if you can find an answer on the thousands of articles that I've written there. We added about 40 more. Annie came by the house last week and added 40 more articles there. So you can see a lot of stuff at WalterReeves.com. You can follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, on Pinterest with all my pictures of weeds that I have on Pinterest. And uh, sign up for the newsletter. The email newsletter comes out every two weeks. We have a great one that came out this past week with a lead article about lightning. What do you do when lightning hits a tree? My Saturday morning was made much, much brighter by spending it with Ashley Frasker who screened the calls and made sure that everybody got their questions answered. Jason Byers played Parliament Funkadelic this morning. And who do we have on the show but Grady Thomas, one of the original members of Parliament Funkadelic, who just happened to hear us and called in. Honored to talk to Grady as well. Dave Baker is here for the Home Fixing Show, so stay tuned for that. Otherwise, we'll see you next Saturday morning for another edition of Lawn and Garden. <laughs>